this week's Adam Schefter podcast, the post-draft podcast, we'll be joined by the man who provided analysis on ESPN all weekend, ESPN draft analyst Mel Kuyper Jr. and NFL Network analyst Daniel Jeremiah, who combined to make an unexpected tag team combination of the draft. And they now will talk about their experience together as well as the top prospects in the 2021 draft. And we'll be joined by the mother of one of the breakout stars of draft weekend, Nike Belichick, the dog, his mom, Linda Holiday, the significant other of the Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, will join us to talk about Nike's newfound fame. We'll also get to your Ask Adam questions on the back end of the podcast, some interesting questions and answers this week. And one other thought as we head out of the draft and begin to look forward to what's next. And what's next is we don't know. We have gotten through a new collective bargaining agreement, free agency, trades, signings, the draft process, the actual draft itself. The NFL has produced a ton of sports news at a time when there has been very, very little sports news. And the NFL pulled off the draft in a tremendous way, in a way that a lot of people, I think, were not expecting. It went off really flawlessly without a hitch. It was probably, I think, the finest hours of Roger Goodell's commissionership. He's never shined brighter, never been better than in those three days of the NFL draft. He was very relatable, very likable. And I texted one of the NFL officials over the weekend. I sent out a few texts to a few people just congratulating them on a job well done. And one of them said, and one of them texted back this, returning to play up next. Now, that doesn't mean that the NFL is ready to return to play, but that means that the issue that the NFL is now tackling is returning to play. That is the next issue. I know we'll get the schedule release maybe next week, but the truth of the matter is the NFL's focus is going to be on getting back onto the field and how we do that. And if you think about it, it's really interesting because I go back to my days in elementary school, junior high school, high school, Michigan. I never liked science. I never liked science more than sports. I always thought sports was far more interesting than science. And yet there can no, and yet there cannot be any sports today without science. Science never has mattered more. Science is what will lead us out of this. Science will come up with testing. Science will come up with a vaccine. Science will come up with some of the answers, the time when our country has not had very many of them. So I am rooting for science in a way I never have before. I am more interested in science than I've ever been before. And we are all counting on science to give us what's next in the sports world and to say, as that NFL official texted me back, how the league returns to play, which is up next. And as we continue to move towards bringing back live sports, make sure you're staying up to date with the latest sports news with Mina Kimes. Mina hosts a daily podcast called ESPN Daily. Be sure to download and subscribe to ESPN Daily as well at the Adam Schiff Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And before we get to Mel Kuyper Jr. and Daniel Jeremiah, first a word from AT&T. I know there's a lot going on right now in the world, and we're all shopping online. 
I just saw that AT&T started doing two really helpful things for those who want to buy a new phone or device online. They're offering fast, free, no contact delivery and curbside pickup so that online shopping is as simple and safe as possible. On top of that, they have a flexible return policy so you can shop at ease. You can visit AT&T.com to learn how to shop online from the safety of your home 24-7. Subject to change, restrictions apply. And now, the draft analysts of the weekend, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Daniel Jeremiah. Joining us now, the men who did an incredible job this draft weekend, Mel Kuyper from ESPN, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, and it was incredible to watch these two forces work together on the same draft weekend. So I will start with Daniel and say, Daniel, what was it like working with Mel on ESPN a little odd in any kind of way? It was, it was, uh, I would say it was kind of the fulfillment of a, of a childhood dream, to be honest with you, Adam, because I, I've just known and followed Mel for so long. And then I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty cool just when I got a chance to, to meet Mel when I was in college. And then, uh, he can tell you the story, but he was nice enough to, to, uh, to, uh, divorce himself from reality and put me in the very back of his, uh, guide the year at my drafting year. So that was pretty cool. And then, and then to grow older and then, you know, see Mel at these events and then, you know, come to call him a friend. That was like, okay, that, that's good. It's even better. And then to, to one day actually get to work with him was, uh, that was the pinnacle over the weekend. Daniel, uh, I tell you, to work with people in this business, as you know, Adam, you get people, you come and go and they come into your life and work with, uh, with Daniel and at App State and all the things. And then you see him grow. I got a text from Brian Billick saying, I saw you on with Daniel. He's great. Daniel's the best. You know, as I said, I've known Daniel. Like, we've all, anybody that knows Daniel Jeremiah, number one, he's a class act. He's a great guy. Tremendously not, knows this game inside and out. I think he should be a GM in the NFL. And I think he will be a GM if he wants to. But I mean, but just a great person. And I think great family man. I mean, Bort, obviously, doing in the beginning and, and kind of, as Daniel said, paved that way and opened the door. And then you take advantage of the opportunities. But just a, a great individual, great person, tremendously knowledgeable. I sat back and marvel at the way he, even Kim, my wife, came up during the draft. She said, my gosh, Daniel Jeremiah is so smooth on the air. So smooth, yeah. he's, and I, and again, but it's it just he's just it's like he, that, that's what he does. Now you can continue to do this, Daniel. You can be a GM. You got you. you, you I mean, my God, anything you want to do, you can accomplish. So it's just great to see that for great people to have great success is what you hope for. Daniel, what do you want to do? Yeah, you hear Mel touting you as a GM. Would that have any interest <laughs> to you one day? Well, well, first of all, Mel, I'm hiring Mel as my agent, so that that's done as soon as we as soon as we hang up the phone call. There, I mean, he's he's being too kind, but. Um, I, I've got kids that are, uh, they're still going through school. So I've kind of just identified this time in my life where I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Uh, I love working with the NFL network with all the, the folks we have there and I don't miss any of the sporting events for the kids. So, um, I, I think this, for this phase of my life, I, I'm very happy and comfortable here and, and who knows what the future holds, uh, down the road. But for right now, this is a good spot. How old are your kids, Daniel? So my, my oldest is getting ready to go off to college this year. And then I have a sophomore in high school. I have uh, an eighth grader and a sixth grader. So um, that's wow. kind of the timeline that I'm that I'm working on right now. Yeah, uh, Daniel, <laughs> I knew you before you even had kids. I think it was, I was like you were just starting your family. It's like, oh my god! And now you have all these kids that are going into college. It's amazing. I, I see. I just the years just keep going by, and I just keep realizing I'm getting older and older here. It's like, wow, <laughs> wow, Jesus. 
it's like it's amazing. It's like I, I'm, I'm just scouting kids uh, who are you know, scouting their fathers. Before you know it, I'll be scouting their grandfathers. I, I think by then, I think it is time to move on. Like, and uh, no, is, is Lauren Marigat? No, she was going to be this uh, this July, but we had to move it to the following summer. So she will be in June of tw- June nineteenth, twenty twenty one. Now, so uh, yeah, but uh, the, yeah, un- unfortunately, with everything that's going on, obviously, we had to move the wedding from this summer to next summer. But yeah, she's twenty five, and Boomer actually, Chris Berman signed a football in uh, April. She was born March sixth in ninety five. Signed the football that year. Lauren, a true number one pick. So I still have it sitting in my office here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like I say, Boomer calls me with the same stories. Oh my gosh, Lauren's twenty five. And getting married. Oh my God. I'm saying the same thing with Daniel. Oh my gosh, you got a kid going off to college. That's, that's amazing. And the virus caused you to move the wedding? Yes. Yes, uh, July 11th would not have worked, obviously, uh, with gatherings and not, and, and we have obviously with grandparents and you know the, the key entities and families and that would not have maybe been able to uh, to come. That was just not something that that Lauren and Alex wanted. So uh, they can move it to the following year when everybody hopefully is safe and maybe there's a vaccine out and and we can move back to a level of normalcy. So that's why we moved it to June 19th of 2021. How stressful and difficult was it to make that decision, Mel? With everything going on, because I would imagine you're not the only one that had a summer wedding planned that debated how to handle this and ultimately decided to push it back a year. But what was that like, that process? Well, it was everybody was dealing with such things so much more important. I think for Lauren and Alex to put in perspective what's really important is your health, your safety, everybody in the country and the world dealing with this pandemic. So I think they were great. They were very mature about it. They understood. Uh, Kim and I didn't have to take a lot of convincing. I think they realized it on their own that this is not going to work. And you know, and then the thing was, when do we move it to? And then we were thinking, Lauren wanted to think about October. And we were saying, well, October could be in the same situation. And then if you don't have, if you have to post move that, then all the summer dates of 2021 will be taken up. So uh, at the venue we had wanted to, which is Chesapeake Bay Beach Club, which is right over the, the Bay Bridge here down here in the, on the Eastern Shore. So that's what we were trying to figure is what's the best time to make sure that you get a date you, know, you are comfortable with. And by then, we may be in a situation where we won't have to postpone it again. So that, I think everybody kind of got together, everybody, and it was everybody was thinking the same way. And it was, it was, it was, it was done very, very seamlessly, very easily. And everything kind of just pushed, got pushed, the hotels, everything got pushed from one summer to the next. Well, you'll be plenty of time to recover from the 2021 draft to get ready for Lauren's wedding. But let's get back to this draft for a moment. Broad, open-ended, ambiguous question, but just curious to know what your takeaway was. Well, I I thought we can get into the players, and and that's one thing. But I I thought the the biggest takeaway was I think we got to see these coaches and and GMs as people. You know, you got to see them in their homes. You got to see them around their their family. to see them interact. I mean, I, it, that was so cool to me and being able to share those moments. They were able to share those moments with their families. And I know some of them, and I'm sure Mel heard the same thing. There was a, Some of them were pretty skeptical um, going into the draft about how this is all going to work. And I, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I've talked to a bunch of them after it was over and they all just raved about how special of a moment it was. Um, you know, Joe Douglas told me a great story about how he was I said, you know, and I've known Joe and Mel's known Joe forever with the Ravens and uh, mm-hmm. now the general manager of, of the Jets. And Joe, I said, Joe, we, we sh- saw you make a pick and then we showed you in the in the room and your daughter was there, but Tommy wasn't there. Your son, Tommy, wasn't in the room. Where Where's Tommy? He goes, well, he said, we make the pick. Tommy comes in to find out who the pick is. And then he j- quickly goes off to the other room to put on the Madden game so he can insert Mackay Beckton <laughs> into his lineup on his Madden team. 
Like I'm sitting here like this is like this is like the, like something out of a fantasy football world. Like this was how this was really happening with these guys uh, this weekend. So I thought that really humanized all all these guys. Exactly, and I think for what Daniel said is true. You talk to the different people about you know going in. I think with the right attitude, the right frame of mind, there's a lot more important things. We all kind of take ourselves too seriously when yeah, you know, with all these things going on. You're picking football players. I understand it's their job and it's their livelihood, but realize there are a lot more important things going on that people are dealing with in this country and in the world. I think they all had that. Let's make it work. Uh, everybody in the NFL, ESPN, everybody, make it work. Do the best you can under these circumstances, and they did. And I think now it's amazing, Daniel. And Adam, you're hearing even, are they going to have to incorporate elements of this draft into future mm-hmm. drafts? So, is there ways to get that, as as, uh, as Daniel said, the, the human element of, of seeing GMs and seeing fans we would have never seen before in this type of situation with their, uh, obviously, their jobs on the line. These drafts are going to determine whether they're GMs in the future with those respective teams based on the success of those organizations and those football teams. So, again, I think to have the pressure element and then also have them dealing with it so seamlessly seamlessly uh, was pretty amazing. And then now, like I say, where Roger Goodell is going to have to look at that draft and, and say, wow, can we take anything from that into the future? Or do we have to get back to the exact same way it was when everything was normal? Uh, what can we do? Like I say, to, to take little pieces of that and maybe put it, move it forward and, like I say, use it for different elements. So it'll be interesting to see how this works in the years to come based on the, the way the draft went this year when a lot of people didn't think it would go nearly as smoothly as it did. And there would be glitches and there will be delays and all that. It just didn't happen. So credit the NFL and ESPN, everybody involved in this whole uh, you know, draft process to have it go the way it did. I think a lot of people deserve an awful lot of credit. Can you imagine the NFL in 2021 or beyond mandating to coaches and GMs, we now need you and want you to do the draft at home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Daniel can speak to that. I, I think they'll, they'll rather be at their own or in their own room, looking at doing having eye contact with their own people and communicating with their their people there. And uh, I, I think they adjusted perfectly. Uh, but moving forward, I think uh, they would like it to be back to the way it was. Uh, but it'll be interesting. Like I said, you never know. I never try to predict things I have no clue about and and trying to figure that all out. Uh, that's up to the NFL and the teams. But it it just to come out of this and be here we are on Tuesday after the draft and and be happy the way everything went, and uh, no negativity, no complaints. Uh, that, to me, is something everybody should be very happy with. You know, hey, we do, the, we do schedules, right? I mean, some years you have a home game, some, t- some years you got a road game. <laughs> some years you got to be there with your family, other years you got to be with your coworkers. Well, it will be interesting because there were so many people who really objected to this whole concept. I know they really did not want this to happen. They didn't feel like the draft should happen this weekend. They didn't feel like it should happen the way it did, but it came off and the ratings were through the roof. Highest watch draft ever. I think that, Mel, that may have been because Daniel was on ESPN, don't you think? Oh, no question. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's it. Kim Kuyper can speak to that. Lauren Kuyper can speak to that. Uh, you know, all the, you know, all the, the comments were unbelievable. I can say the, 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 the job that he, that everybody did. And I think with Daniel and having Michael's influence and Kurt, and it's just, it, it, we're all friends. That's the thing. Everybody's friends. It's no, uh, Mike Mayock, we're all friends. I mean, everybody wants to make it out to be enemies. We're all friends. We all work together. We all respect one another. It's like, it, that's just the way it is. And it's the way it's always been. So I think when we can bring everybody together, Daniel and I, 
just waved each other. When Brian Billick was doing the draft night, uh, we waved. So, uh, you guys are on the set over there. Yep. We're over here. We wave. Yep. And, uh, have a great draft. We'll, we'll talk afterwards. Probably not because we'll be too busy doing other things, and then we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, to have to have the ability to hear and see and 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 work with uh, somebody who's giving those uh, those comments and those opinions and uh, and being part of that was was great. I think it added to everything that everybody was able to uh, to get out of this draft. It was a, a broadcast that incorporated everybody, so it was great. Unfortunately, Todd and Todd, uh, we was sad not to have Todd McShay with us. So, you know, battling the coronavirus as he did, you work as Danny knows. You work so hard to to rate these players and evaluate these players and to sit back and have to deal with that. And fortunately, it looks like he's Todd's getting better. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with him, and uh, he'll be back stronger than ever. And uh, and we'll have next year's boards coming out, and Todd will have his mock draft for next year coming out soon. And uh, just like I say, uh, I know we were all thinking about Todd during this, and fortunately, he is getting better. Daniel, how different was it for you compared to how you're used to doing the draft, working with different producers, working with a different host, working with different analysts? Was it strange in any kind of way? It's almost like a player being traded midseason yeah. and having to play on a Sunday with a different team. Well, yeah, it was, you know, you factor in new, um, you work with new people on camera, work with new people off camera, and then all of us working in this new setup where we're all disconnected and we're all at home. Um, so there was a lot of different factors that just made it just totally unique, a totally unique experience. Um, but it's like, uh, I almost felt like you're a, a pitcher where you kind of, uh, early on, you're trying to feel your way through the lineup. And then as you kind of get into the middle innings, you get a feel, okay, I kind of, you get a sense for Trey's cadence. I get a sense for, you know, for Mel and Lewis and how they're going to go and you try and try and play off of them. So it was, you know, that was kind of my goal. I was like, man, I don't know how good this is going to be uh, of a broadcast at the beginning, but I think we'll get better as it as it goes along. And actually, I thought the whole thing was pretty smooth. And it was it's a tremendous uh, hat tip to uh, to the producers at ESPN who laid this thing out and orchestrated it because that that was I can't imagine as tough as as it would have been for us that for them to organize this whole thing and to make sure that we weren't stepping on each other and the communication. Um, it was just a phenomenal job, and and uh, I don't know that that if you're on the outside, I, I don't know if people understand just how hard it would be to try and coordinate all this stuff, especially when you're working with some people you've never worked with before in your life. So um, it was a, a tr- I can't imagine the amount of work that went into that. One thing Adam uh, and uh, Daniel was saying, the one thing was hard, and I don't know if you guys felt this way that I did. It, it seemed easy, but it became more difficult, and I, it, it kind of plays into your mind where we were supposed to say. You know who were the, to throw it to Daniel. Oh, yeah, so yeah, when yeah, I'm finishing yeah, yeah. my comment, so Daniel knows I was. Good, we were all supposed to throw it to someone, and we were told who to throw it to, either prior to or during our analysis or whatever we were saying about a pick or a team. That seems easy, but when you get so wrapped up in what you're saying, and then mm-hmm. you've come to an end of what you're saying, and then you realize, oh. I didn't. I didn't mention Daniel. I didn't. Or I didn't mention Michael. I didn't. Yeah. You know, and I remember one time in the beginning, I was supposed to throw at the Kurt, and I thought I did. So Brian Ryder, who did an unbelievable job, Brian Ryder and and, and Rob Adamski on day three. Brian said to me, "Mel, you got to you got to use her name, bud. You got to use her name." And I said, "I thought I did. I thought I did." And I so this, listen to this, Daniel, and you'll love it. So you know how crazy I am. I go in after a little break. I go in, and Kim had it on in the other room. 
So I said, yeah. I said, honey, so honey, so I said, cue that back to, to when I was talking to whatever, and see if I said Kurt. I, mean, I had to go back to the tape to see if I was just, just in your mind, just you're real. You think you're going to say somebody's name, and you don't. So to me, just getting used to try to weave in Daniel or Michael or yeah. Adam or Moore or whoever, yeah. into, or, or whoever it may be, or Lewis or, or Booger, into what you're saying while you're saying it seems easy, but it took some getting used to. Well, you forget it sometimes. You know, you're, you're going through your thought process, and you know you're supposed to throw to Daniel or Mort. But in the end, ultimately, sometimes you're thinking so much about the point you want to make that you forget the person you're tossing to. It's, it's just natural. It happens all the time. Yeah, right? the, last thing you want, the last thing you want to do is, who, who am I throwing to? Who, am I, who, who is it? Uh, so you, you, uh, you're better yeah. off just to let it go and hope that they can be in the ear, which they were, of whoever's supposed to get to go. Go, Lewis. Go, Daniel. Go, Mel. Whatever. So the, the, the Brian would let us know that because then it gets kind of crazy. <laughs> but it was interesting. Like Daniel said, that looking into, and also looking into a camera for all those hours, like on yeah. day three, yeah. You're staring into a camera, and there's no way to know anything about do you and to follow up. Like Daniel might say, "Hey, I don't like what Kuiper said. I, I think that's drama. Let me follow up." Or some yeah. point you want to make after something was made. If we're sitting at a, at a set, we can do that very easily. Yeah, you know, but when yeah. you're doing, look, just looking into a camera, you don't know. Well, is it okay if I go? Is it not okay? Am I going to tread on somebody? There was a lot of a little anxiety because of that that we didn't really know that type of thing. As opposed to sitting at a set where it's all so easy. You know, you take for granted how easy it is when you're sitting at a set looking at people you can touch their arm hit them hit them on the shoulder or look at eye contact or whatever give them a thumbs up there's all things you can do where you couldn't do it just looking into a camera that is so true mel and and the uh how many times have you like a pickle get made and this is one of the things that we didn't get this year which is fun especially when you've worked with guys and you've talked about these players for a long time you know, so a guy gets picked, Mel, and you look at the you you look at the person sitting next to you. You know you're not on camera. You can't say anything, but you can make your eyes go real big. Like, are you kidding me that this guy just went here? Like that, we have a conversation without any words. Um, so you didn't get any of that. There was none of that interaction this year. And then there's times where a guy, like you're saying, the guy's talking, and you're looking at him like, oh, I want in on this. I want to, I want to, I want to jump in on this because I want to challenge you on this, or I want to, you know, have that back and forth. It was it was a series of speeches is kind of what this draft was. You made your speech, you gave it to the next person, he made his speech. And and Mel was talking about trying to remember. I don't know how it was for you, Mel, but when if if uh, if Ryder told me um, at the beginning, if he said if Lewis was talking, he'd go, Lewis, throw it to Daniel. Daniel, when you're finished, throw it to Mel. I was okay, but for you know, the IFB, which is what goes in your ear, was connected on my end to a cell phone. So it's not that hard line. So it, when I was talking, if he got in my ear while I was talking, it sounded like the peanuts. It was just muffled. Like I couldn't, I could not understand anything. Right. So you start, so you're talking and, I, and I, he'll go, okay, when you finish, throw it to Murr. And I'm like, holy crap, is this, am I supposed to throw it to Mel or was that Lewis? And then I'm not kidding you. I would say the name and I'm sitting here going, this is a coin flip, man. Just flip a coin. I hope I said the right guy. If not, I hope the other guy's ready to go. You know what they say in television, Daniel? When in doubt, lay out. Just lay out. Don't even say anything. Right? That's the best. I did that several times. I did that several times. And then Trey Trey would jump in and go, Lewis? (laughs) Oh, jeez. I know. That's the best thing to do. That's the best thing to do. Um, Let's flash forward ahead. Let's fast forward ahead right now to the 2021 draft. If you had to tell me now, a year out, what are going to be the major storylines in the 2021 draft? What would you say to me, Daniel? 
Well, I think like we had this year, when we talk so much about all these receivers, I think we're going to have another incredible group uh, of receivers. And, and probably, I, and I haven't done a deep dive on these guys yet. I, I don't know what Mel's done on them yet. But, you know, Jamar Chase, look, just watching him doing other guys, I would say look better than any of the receivers we had in this year's draft. So, and there's a bunch more. So a bunch more receivers coming. But the headliner is going to be, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Should he decide to come out? I mean, he's he's one of those guys that's been kind of the – not only has he been kind of a face of college football, but he's a face of college football with all the prototypical skills, you know, the size, the arm strength, the athletic ability. You know, if you look the last three years, Joe Burrow came out of nowhere at number one overall pick. Uh, Kyler Murray out of no, nowhere, number one overall pick. Baker Mayfield out of no, like. This guy is coming in as a heavy favorite in that regard. So he's going to be, uh, you know, hopefully we have a college football season, but he's going to be the one that I think everybody's talking about. No question. You know? I, I, think, I think Justin Fields and see where he ends up, uh, whether that's a battle for that first and second spot. And then as you mentioned, Jamar Rashad Bateman's a receiver at Minnesota, has a lot of ability. Yeah. And then you have the two Alabama kids, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Uh, Justin Ross at Clemson. We have a tackle. Remember the old days with with Jonathan Ogden and Tony Baselli, Orlando Pace, and yeah. and uh, you know Jake Long, and all these have Penny Sewell from Oregon could be way up there uh, as well. We have Pat Fryermuse, an interesting tight end at Penn State. And we actually have some other really good tight ends coming out this year as well. Wyatt Davis, the guard from Ohio State, uh, pass rushers and and corners. I think too, Daniel. I think the cornerback position yeah, this the year. Yeah, Ohio State's really good. Yeah, yeah. And you notice when he had that targeting penalty. In that Clemson game, yep. how that affected uh, from that point on, Lawrence got hot. Ohio State's defense was up against it. Sean Wade is an active player. Patrick Sertan, the second. Elijah Molden, the son of Alex Molden, uh, out of Washington. Uh, then you have uh, you know, Marvin Wilson decided to go back to defensive tackle at Florida State. Uh, you have uh, Dylan Moses coming off the injury at Alabama. Yep. He has had injury issues there. We'll see what he can do. And then the safety position with uh, Caden Stearns at Texas. So, again, a lot of Javon Hollins, a versatile kid at Oregon in that secondary. So, a lot of good players again next year, but I think the top of the board to see, as, as Daniel said, Trevor Lawrence, who seems like he's been like Andrew Luck. He's the number one guy for like two, three years now. Yeah. Uh, we don't, don't want to hear any other talk about anybody else. It's Trevor Lawrence, and then we'll see where Justin Fields from Ohio State settles in. You know, I had a general manager tell me in February, and I took it down in my notes. In February, he said, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are ranked higher than any quarterback in this class, Joe Burrow included. He'd rather have Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields is Justin Fields in that category, Daniel? Well, I, I can just tell you, I saw I saw both these kids at the Nike opening, which is the big All American high school event, and uh, up in Oregon, up at Nike headquarters. So this is they're going into their senior year of high school, and uh, those kids, or no, sorry, as they finished up their senior year, those kids were uh, they were grown men as eighteen year olds. And Justin Fields was the MVP of the event. He actually outplayed Trevor Lawrence. And this is just seven on seven high school. But you could see both those kids just have, between the athleticism and the arm strength and all that, they just have the prototypical skill set that you'd want in today's game. So, you know, Joe Burrow, I think, is more, it was more advanced and polished. And you saw that the way he played this year as a passer. But, and Joe's a good athlete. These guys are on another level just in terms of the athleticism they bring in and what they can do in some of the, the quarterback run game and the play creating. So that's why I get it from a skill set standpoint. I would say that I think Burrow is a little more polished at this point in time, just as a, you know, a read, digest and, and uh, deliver the football. I think he's a little bit further along than those guys, but they got another year to go. 
Yeah, it's like Burrow. It's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite of Lawrence, where Lawrence yep. has been the number one pick for years, and Joe Burrow had to earn it and, and move up, and everybody keep wanting Am I moving him up too far? He's in the fourth round now. Then I'm moving up to the second round. Then I'm moving up to the first. Now I'm moving him up to ten. How far? You kept moving him up, moving him up, and you kept wondering, am I overreacting to one game or five games or ten games? And it became 15 games. So, again, Joe took yeah. a different path to the number one pick, but Joe did outplay Trevor Lawrence in that national championship game. Joe did look like the better quarterback that particular night. Uh, Trevor was around 48% in that game. Joe was at 63-3 after it looked like Venables was getting the best of him in the first quarter and he adjusted. But uh, you know, I think the, you can't take anything away. Burrow. Burrow just wasn't a given going in where it looks like Trevor is. But Trevor, I think, is anxious to get back because there's final, really the final two games, even though Ohio State game, he was struggling. Then the Wade hit. Wade leaves and all of a sudden Trevor runs for the touchdown and then, then everything starts to go Clemson's way. That game flipped on that Sean Wade penalty. Um, but I think, and then of course the National Championship championship game he struggled against that LSU defense but overall uh right now Trevor and Justin Fields up there but to say Burrow is behind those guys I I don't think so I, I think I think and I said this Daniel and, and Adam yesterday I think Cincinnati I think the Bengals with Burrow and the draft they had and the decisions they made and some of the personnel that they brought in via free agency you know, it's going to be a heck of a division. But Cincinnati improving, Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh's never going away. They'll figure out quarterback after Ben at some point. That's going to be in three or four years. That AFC North is going to be unbelievable. They're all got their guys now. I mean, now Pittsburgh has got to figure out where, who their guy is going to be going forward. But those other three are going to duke it out in that division for a long time. Uh, before I let you guys go, I know you mentioned that Mel had written you up, Daniel, in his scouting report. For those who don't know. Uh, Daniel was a starting quarterback at Northeastern Louisiana in 1997 and Appalachian State from 1998 through 2000. Mel, what did you say in your draft guide about Daniel as a quarterback? I said he was a quarterback who was going to turn broadcaster and become one of the best of all time. And uh, his quarterback days were going to be over soon, and he was going to turn to broadcasting, have a tremendous, beautiful family, have a have a great life, and, and he was going to be the all-Hall of Fame broadcaster is what I predicted for Daniel Jeremiah. Well, you look, you can't get every evaluation right. So Mel missed on the broadcasting side of it, but he got the family side right, you know? So that's how it goes in evaluation. You get some right, you get some wrong. Well, the, the, the broadcast still be determined, Dan. I say you have Hall of Fame potential, okay? <laughs> Hall of Fame potential, I'll say, for you youngsters like Daniel Jeremiah. Oh, I got to find. I have that magazine. I have that magazine, by the way, somewhere. And I was, I was very much. It was the last. It was the last one in there that was a total favor from Mel. And uh, and it was to the point of the guide, Mel, where I believe it was just a name. I don't think you had to write a report on that one. I, I did have. I just didn't include the report in there. in there. I had the report. I just didn't include it. But Daniel, you were never able to parlay that outstanding college football career into an NFL playing career, right? You just got to become a scout with the Ravens, Browns, and Eagles, correct? Yeah, well, let's lose outstanding college career. Let's use that term a little loosely there. Uh, no, this was, uh, yeah, I was a member. I was a member. I got on the field and, uh, and, uh, that's probably where we can end the evaluation. I like all these guys. All these guys are for the Phil Savage at Suwanee. Wasn't it, uh, wasn't it Daniel yeah. Phil Savage? Yep. A, a yep. quarterback at Suwanee, Phil was. Uh, you think about all the different guys who have moved on and uh, Todd McShay, quarterback at Richmond, Richmond with the Spiders. You know, all you guys are former quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's amazing. We're just trying to fake it till we make it. That's all we're trying to do. No. <laughs> well, here's my draft evaluation of the weekend. You both were outstanding. You, I'm, I was honored to play on both of your teams for the weekend. You did a great job, and I hope both of you get some downtime now, well-deserved downtime, and begin prepping for the draft of 2021. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate you having us on. You guys are the best. I appreciate it, man.
And so there is Mel Kuyper Jr. and Daniel Jeremiah, who truly did a fantastic job. You think about the energy it takes for each of them to maintain that energy all three days, to know every factoid about every player, no matter who's picked, where he's picked, and to be ready to go on camera, and as they said, to look into a camera all weekend long for three straight days. You're staring into a camera, no contact, no real contact with anybody else, and pull off the job seamlessly, flawlessly, as they did game balls to Mel Piper Jr. and Daniel Jeremiah, who are not only great analysts, but great men, two of my favorite people to talk to, and I thank them for their time today. Before we get to Linda Holiday, mother of Nike, First, a word from State Farm. When it comes to insurance, State Farm is all the makings of a top-tier player. First, they make it look easy. Manage your coverage, pay your bill, and even file a claim from the palm of your hand with the State Farm mobile app, which was just awarded Best Insurance Mobile App for 2019. And like a great teammate, they know your tendencies. State Farm agents are local, so they'll help you choose coverage that fits your needs. When you want the real deal, go with State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And now... Linda Holiday, the significant other of one Bill Belichick and most notably the mother of one of the stars of this past weekend's draft, Nike. Linda, thank you very much for the time in advance. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Linda, when did you know that Nike had become a star of this draft? I really had no clue until my phone started blowing up and the Swish Dog started gaining followers like popcorn, just one after another. Like what? What happened? Who, how many people were calling? Who was calling? And well, the phone was blowing up because he's like got a public setting on his Instagram and he probably had a thousand followers and maybe I'd posted four different pictures of him. So it really didn't have a lot of activity on the account, but within... 30 minutes, Nike went from a 1,000 followers to about 10,000 followers, and my phone was just blowing up with things, yeah. 1,000 followers to 10,000 followers that quick? Crazy, right? That's amazing. I had no idea. Now, was any part of this plan? Did you realize? Did you know that Nike had taken Bill's seat there in the house and <laughs> was there manning the controls of the Patriots draft? Well, the funny thing was, you know, I mean, all of us are doing the draft from home and Nantucket's got very strict rules about who was coming to the island. So I, I worked with the Patriots IT people and I said, teach me, I'll do lighting, I'll do IT, I'll do it all. So I'm doing lighting and next thing I know, Bill had a couple of treats that were left over near his laptop and he'd stepped away from the table and all of a sudden he looks at me and goes, look, look at the table. and there Nike was just sitting there waiting patiently and he knew his treats were there. So that's what prompted him getting up to the table. And he was just waiting patiently for the word to take his treat. <laughs> so that's the backstory. So there were treats there and Nike went to go get the treats. Is that correct? That's it. That's <laughs> it. Now Nike's been through a lot of rigorous training the first year. He's two years old now, two years in February. And the first year he went through a lot of training because quite honestly, Klikais are like Huskies. They have a lot of Husky in them. And I'm the daughter of a veterinarian, so I thought I could train any dog around. And Nike won. He won that battle the first year. He was uncontrollable, unmanageable, wouldn't behave. He nipped people. Um, he did things the way Nike wanted to do things. And um, so, you know, I had a lot of comments on how well-behaved Nike was. 
and Nike was during his, his segment of the draft. But that came with an excessive amount of training that both Bill and I still do to this day, working with him. <laughs> Did, oh, yeah. <laughs> can, okay, so I would think that next year, Nike deserves a page uh, in the Patriots media guy with a bio. So if people want to know about Nike, if people want to know about Nike, what do we need to know about Nike? He's two years old. He's an Alaskan Klee-Kai. Yep. Klee-Kais are bred, they were bred in the 60s from a woman in Alaska, and she crossbred Siberian Huskies with Skipper Keys to reduce the size. So that's why Nike is everything Husky. He talks, he howls, he's smart, he pulls. He's everything Husky, just half the size. And where do you get Nike from? Nike was, he purchased from a breeder in Boston. I'm going to get killed on that. But let me first say that being the daughter of a veterinarian, I never had pure breed dogs my entire life. I was adopting dogs that nobody else wanted before that was even the cool thing to do to rescue dogs. So, you know, and Bill, Bill even had a dog that was a mix that he got from a rescue from a shelter that was like a part German Shepherd and Collie. And that was his dog growing up. So neither one of us had purebred dogs. And Nike's the second purebred I've ever had. Purchased from Boston Klee-Kai. Um, they're great dogs. And what is and what are Nike's um, vices, habits, tendencies, interests? What are Nike's interests? What does Nike like doing? Shredding stuffed animals. <laughs> he can get the squeaker out of those things in two seconds flat. And, okay, so inside story here. He and Bill have a game called um, Duck, and Duck pretty much is the name for every time they play tug of war, whether it's with a rope or a stuffed animal or anything. And it started by a stuffed animal that Nike had called Duck. So that's that's their game. I'm not allowed to play, and they play Duck together. Really? And then, oh yeah, they they love playing Duck together. And Bill and Nike have been enjoying their daily walks on Nantucket. Uh, once in a while, I accompany them, but it's more like the boy thing. And the guys go out, and I didn't really learn this until recently, but Bill lets Nike go off-leash. Luckily, he's trained, so he doesn't go far. But only in places where it's like the bluff walk, there's no cars or the beach, and there's no animals or people or anything. But, yeah, that's, that's guy time together. It, it was a big weekend for dogs and the draft. I don't know if you happen to be watching ESPN, probably not on Friday, but – here I am in my house, and just as I'm getting ready to do my hit on getup, my wife lets somebody into the house to – we're putting a dog shower downstairs. We've been meaning to do it for quite some time. And so the plans got shelved during the quarantine, and finally our dogs were so dirty we couldn't resist anymore. We're like, we've got to have this guy come back in to put the dog shower in. There's just no other way. we got to get this done. So, of course, it had to happen on the Thursday of the draft. And, of course, he had to show up literally as my get-up hit was about to begin. And as it was about to begin, I hope Christina Buswell, my producer, has the tape. Christina, can you roll the tape for Linda of what it sounded like as I was getting ready to do get-up on the morning of the draft or the day after the draft? Now, should we explain to our audience what the Packers' plans for Aaron Rodgers are going forward? Well, we got dogs in the background barking here, Greeny. I apologize about that. It's okay. The plans going forward here is essentially a situation. Hold on. Hey, can you please shut my door? (laughs) 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 This is the way of the world right now. What are we going to do? 
That's live TV, Linda. That was Bailey, one of our three Labradoodles. And Bailey decided to be seen. So I picked up Bailey and my other Labradoodle, Ella, and we put them on camera. And they got a lot of screen time on Get Up and SportsCenter. So I want you to know, Nike was not the only dog star of the weekend. <laughs> Bailey and Ella also it. got their chance to shine. And the draft turned out to be a wonderful opportunity for dogs to stake their claim and to have people understand what an important role they have in the draft weekend as well, right? Absolutely. They're part of the family. They helped make some big decisions here. (laughs) (laughs) From everything I've been hearing, I think as different as and unusual as the draft was this year, I feel that the feedback is that people have loved seeing the families and the kids and the dogs and the homes. I mean, it's just, it was a real feel-good, warmth kind of draft, I think, everybody, was the takeaway from it. Couldn't agree more, right? Like, I had somebody call me, and he'll appreciate this, and they said, you know, I never liked that Matt Patricia guy in Detroit, but I saw the way he was with kids. I love him now. He's one of my favorite coaches. I love the way he interacted with his kids, and I think that's the way it was with everybody. Like, people get to see Nike. Nike's become a star overnight from this draft. I mean, huge. Oh, people saw a different side of Bill. People saw a different side of Matty P, as you just said. I mean, and I think that was what brought the warmth and humanity to the whole draft. I mean, and it, you always see the families of the kids being drafted, and you love that aspect of it. This brought a whole other dimension in. And, yeah, you know, it did. It, it was very warm, and the, the dogs had their day in the sun. <laughs> well well so, deserved. Absolutely. Linda, has it gone to Nike's head at all that he's become such a big star? You know, I think Nike thinks he's been a big star since the day he set foot in his house. So I don't know that anything's changed. He hasn't grown out of his fur or anything like that. He's, yep. He just, you know, just goes around waiting for Bill to finish up conference calls so he can go take a walk. And Nike, such a distinctive name. How do you decide to name your dog Nike? Oh, that's a funny story. Okay, so in Nike, it was a little over a year. Susie Welch interviewed us, and she asked the same question, and Bill answered it up. But the way they edited it, I never got to finish the whole story on that. So I'm going to tell you the whole story, the back story. Go ahead. Okay. You know the song. Um, I'm just going to say the words to it because nobody knows the song by name. But, you know, take a load off Annie, take a load for free. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then part of the song says, um, Chester, take my dog but the dog's name is Jack. Okay, go back and look up the lyrics. Um, um, what's the, the band's name is The Band, okay? So look yeah. up the lyrics. And I said, Chester, Chester's a great name for a dog. Like, hey, I would love a dog named Chester. We get Nike and we look at him and we're like, he's just not a Chester. And hmm. Bill said, well, if you want to stick to the song lyrics of The Band and the weight, the dog's name is Jack. I said, I'm not naming my dog Jack. I can see me now yelling out in the neighborhood, Jack, come here. They're going to think I'm talking about a kid left in the backyard or something. So my kids, my daughters, Ashley and Kat, said, well, what about Nike? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's like naming them a, a, any other sneaker brand. I don't know if I want to do that. But they started calling him Nike. And somehow or another, Nike fit. And I think the final thing that went down, when the hammer went down, is when I looked up Nike and realized that, He's the, he's the Greek god slash goddess of victory. And I went, you know what? That's kind of fitting. Nike wow. it is. So your daughters came up with the name rather than you and Bill. They did. 
Wow. Well, credit to them. Credit to them. I had no idea. We should get your dogs on the on the line here and let them all talk to each other. Well, you know, the funny thing is Ella's in my office right now. Ella is always Ella's the little brown one that was on Get Up on Friday. She, okay. She sits in my office with me all the time, listens to every phone call, every podcast, every everything. She's on the couch at all times. Bailey is the barker that was on Get Up. And we have one other dog. Our one boy dog is Benny. And Shari, my wife, was very upset that we didn't get Benny on television. We were trying to get him on Saturday, but there was never an ample moment to get him on. So Benny got shafted over the weekend on draft. You know, the other two dogs got on, and they're all happy that they're all over Sports Center. But Benny never got on. But as you mentioned, they are part of the family. They're a huge deal. Uh, they brought us so much happiness during this quarantine. I cannot imagine my life without them. And in fact, it's kind of funny. My daughter and her husband, uh, he's allergic to dogs. So every time they come over, he tries to stay away from them. But they called us up last week. That they decided to go get a dog after all this time, even though he's allergic to them because they're so bored in quarantine and they figured it would be so much fun. So they got their own little puppy, a very cute little puppy, uh, a few days ago. So, and I, and I think a lot of people are doing that during this quarantine. I think dogs. Well, Adam, are, did you hear the new, the new York City shelters are empty? Yeah, so that, that's, see, that's, that that's a beautiful thing. That's a great part, an unattended consequence of the trials and tribulations that we've all had to go through here, that dogs have found new homes. And you know what? For people who are wondering, like, it's a great thing. Go go get yourself a dog. Go clean out other shelters that still have dogs. Give them homes. Give them love. They give it back to you in, in so many other ways. You know, Linda, we had our oldest dog, Maggie. Uh, the NBA season was canceled on Wednesday, March 11th. And on Thursday, March 12th, we lost our oldest dog. And it was, uh, as you know, you've had dogs. It was, it was heartbreaking beyond words. She, she had liver cancer. She was blind. She had glaucoma and lost her vision the last five or so years of her life. She had arthritis. She had, uh, yeah, she had internal bleeding. Even my wife the other night, she, she woke up in the middle of the night. She's just so sad. You know, we miss her so much, our oldest dog, but the, 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 the joy that they bring you uh, takes away um, or at least mitigates the sadness at the end. Uh, it's been such a sad time without Maggie, but you know what? I'm glad that we've been able to shine a spotlight on our other dogs and Nike got to step into the spotlight and everybody got to see what a good dog and good boy he is. And, and he knew all the Patriots draft plans too, and he didn't say anything. Well, Nike has stepped into the heart of our country, into the spotlight. And like I said, I'm going to call Stacey James and tell him that, Nike deserves his own page and Patriots Media Guide this year because people are going to need to know. Nike's two years old, where you got him, his history, how he got his name, your daughter's named him. There's a lot of questions that people have unanswered about Nike that you have helped fill in the blanks. And that was why we wanted to get you on because people wanted to hear more of the backstory of Nike. Well, now you've got it and you've got it straight from the source. And, um, yeah, we, we've really had a good time. <laughs> well, Linda, Linda, give give Nike a treat for me. Thank him for the time that he allowed his mom to be on this podcast, and we appreciate your time today. Thank you, Adam. We'll tell Sherry and Dylan, the whole family, hello from us. Give them our love, and we'll catch up soon. And there is Linda Holiday talking about one of the stars of the draft, Nike. And before we get to your Ask Adam questions, first a word from Zip Recruiter during this time of change. We want you to know that ZipRecruiter's focus hasn't changed. 
They're still doing what they've always done, helping people find work and helping businesses find the right people for their open roles. If you're looking for a job, ZipRecruiter is working with you to find the right job faster. They're dedicated to helping you get hired from caretaking to delivering food and goods to building medical facilities, supplying protective equipment, and so much more. In fact, ZipRecruiter's app will send you up-to-date job openings so you can be one of the first to apply. And if you're actively hiring, ZipRecruiter will invite candidates to apply to your most urgent roles, making it faster and easier to reach the people you need. By connecting the people who need jobs and companies that need people, ZipRecruiter is working with all of us so we can keep moving forward. Let's work together. ZipRecruiter.com slash work together. And now, Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. We should ask Adam. It's the post-draft week version of Ask Adam Questions. And to do that, we bring in my fine producer, Christina Buswell. Christina, hope you got some good questions this week. We had a lot of questions rolling in, and one fan wants to know, the draft from a fan standpoint seemed to go off without a hitch. What was the draft like for you having to report it? You mentioned in previous podcasts the possibility that reporting might be harder for you. Was it? No, it really wasn't. And in fact, it was, I think, a little stranger in the sense of this. There were so many cameras and so many homes and so many different voices and people to get on with ESPN and NFL Network that they didn't come to me as much, which is fine. Uh, believe me, I've got no issues. There, uh, the draft is not my deal. I view myself as a, a long snapper during the draft, or as free agency, I play quarterback or running back or whatever it is, a position that is more in the spotlight. And the draft, you just want to be there when they need you. So the first time that I got onto the draft was when there was a trade between the 49ers and the Bucks on draft night, where the Bucks moved up to go take Tristan Wirfs. And so you're in communication with people, but it really was not a big deal. In fact, I almost feel like certain people can go text back in freedom and not have to worry about other people see them texting and all of a sudden the information's on ESPN or whatever it may be. I did not encounter any real challenges that were different than other drafts. That's me. I think it was a lot different for other people at our network who had to go into work, be there, wear masks, socially distance, live with the fears of basically being around people. I asked one of my friends who was at work at ESPN, like, what do you do for food during the day? Because that obviously is a big issue. We've talked about that on this podcast. And he's like, I just put energy bars and had energy bars for three days. Like, that's what he did. Because you're in the office. You're not leaving. You're not going anywhere. You're doing the draft. And you exist on energy bars. So to, to me, for me, I didn't really detect much of a difference at all. It was pretty much business as usual. So you say that you you really were only used for a handful of moments. What was the craziest move in this year's draft, from your opinion? And does it compare to any of the crazy draft scenarios you've encountered before? Well, let me say this, Christina, that, again, I keep hearing, and I, I don't know if this is true, but I keep hearing that the Dolphins might have taken Andrew Thomas at number five if he oh, were wow. there. Now, again, I'm not saying that's true. I don't know. I've heard it a couple of times, okay? So it's just speculation is all it is. But it's very interesting if it is true, right? Because if it is true, they would have taken Thomas. I'm going to guess Tua might have gone at six. And where does Justin Herbert wind up? 
Where does he go at that point in time? And just one pick influences all the other selections. So when you ask me the craziest move, well, that might have been the craziest move because it would have changed the tone and the order of the entire draft if the Dolphins did take Andrew Thomas or if the Giants had gone to a different offensive lineman. And then I've been there for the Dolphins at five and they had gone in that direction, right? But it didn't happen. So it's a moot point. Uh, but to me, the, the craziest move, I, I think you go back to the Packers move, right? Like not only did they take a quarterback in the first round, but they traded up to get the quarterback in the first round. So you're trading up and giving up a fourth round pick and then not drafting a wide receiver at any point in a draft that is known as the deepest wide receiver drafting years. That's interesting to me. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers is particularly pleased with the way the Packers draft went. Now, if Jordan Love turns out to be the great quarterback they think he is, then it's going to be a great draft for them. And nobody's going to complain other than Aaron Rodgers right now. But again, you, you can't argue that that's the case. That actually leads me perfectly into our next question. Another fan wants to know, what are your thoughts on the Packers taking a quarterback, even though they don't immediately need one right now? You know, those are my thoughts, Christina. Basically, look, I never have a problem taking a quarterback. I always think it's a good idea because quarterbacks are currency. It's the most important position in sports. I think you're wise to take one every year, every year. But the only problem is they were in the NFC Championship game last year. And they're 60 minutes from the Super Bowl. And they got Aaron Rodgers, who's 36. And there's all these great players that could have helped him. They didn't do that. So I, I guess what I would say is there's short-term pain, but there's potential for tremendous long-term gain. So if he works out, it's a great thing. But if he doesn't, then it's a tremendous disappointment for Aaron Rodgers and Packers fans in the short-term, considering how close they were to getting where they wanted last season. Now, another pick that that seemed to shock fans across Twitter was the fact that the Cowboys were able to get CeeDee Lamb. Now, with that pick, do you think that CeeDee Lamb gives the Cowboys the best wide receiver trio in the NFL? Well, we have to see what kind of pro receiver CeeDee Lamb is going to be. I I just think that that was a great pick. I think most people would agree they never expected that he would be there at that point in time, and he was. And so everybody's got to be pretty pleased about that whole situation. But... Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, pretty good trio. I, I, I'll bet I could think of better trios than that one. I like that one an awful lot. But off the top of my head, let's see, the Vikings changed. Diggs is gone, though Justin Jefferson is in. The Rams traded away Brandon Cooks. I think I would take Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, who do we want to make the third? Denard Robinson, McCole Hardman. That's pretty good right there. That trio of wide receivers. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Pick a third. I'm good with those wide receivers. How about A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and the third there? Like that. That's also very good. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm drawing a blank here. How about DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk? Another solid trio. How about that one? And by the way, we don't even know if that. Means Andy Isabella or Akeem Butler, Akeem Butler will develop this year. That would work out well. How about DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and whatever other wide receiver we're putting in care? Robbie Anderson. Like that, that's not bad either. How about Matt Ryan with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage? Not bad. Again, we can go through this every day. How about Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf? 
And who we say is their third wide receiver, David Moore. Bottom line, Dallas has got a really good trio. I'm not going to say it's the best. A fan on Twitter was incredibly stressed out that the Patriots did not pick a quarterback in this year's draft. He says, Adam, can you please help me make sense of the fact that the Patriots did not pick a quarterback? Yeah, what I would say to that is this, that if one of these guys like Justin Herbert or Tua had fallen, maybe the Patriots could have made a move up. Maybe. But once that happens and you're not getting one of those top guys, who's going to be better at unseating Jared Stidham this year of the quarterbacks that are in the draft. Do you think Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason was going to do that? I mean, they had a chance to take Jordan Love and bypass that. So that that tells you that they didn't believe in Jordan Love or not at least enough to pick him at that point in time. And then they did sign two free agent quarterbacks that very easily could have been late round draft picks. So even though they didn't draft quarterback, they did sign two quarterbacks who were draftable, if that makes any sense. And again, I just think Jared Stidham is a guy that has been in their system that they like, they want to see more of. If he works out, great, then they're good. And if not, they'll be back in the draft pursuing a quarterback next year, if that makes any sense. That makes perfect sense to me. That's all the questions we have this week. If you want your questions answered, make sure you're tweeting us hashtag AskAdam with your question. Each week, we'll pick a handful of questions and yours might get picked. All right, then, Christina, then that wraps up another Ask Adam version of questions. We'll be back with another one next week. And until then, I want to thank Linda Holiday for coming on to talk about Nike. I want to thank Mel Kuyper Jr. and Daniel Jeremiah, the draft analyst from NFL Network and ESPN, who teamed together and did a great job this past week on ESPN analyzing the 2020 NFL draft. I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast this week. And a special thanks, Christina, to Nugo Nutrition, who sent me a bunch of energy bars, power bars, to help get me through the draft last weekend. So I want to thank them. And I want to thank their CEO, David Levine, for the nice note and care package that he sent. And Christina, if anybody's listening this week, during this quarantine, I'm having a very tough time getting my carrot juice, some of my fruit drinks, my smoothies from Bolt House. A company out in, I think it's Bakersfield, California. Yeah, I called up. I said, do you guys ship? They said, no. I said, where can I get these things that in supermarkets? I, well, I'm not going to, I'm not really going into supermarkets. I'm not going into Whole Foods these days. They are sold out on delivery. So I can't get my Bolt House drinks. Very disappointing. So if anybody's listening out there with the Bolt House company, email me, call me. I'm happy to pay for them. I'll get my credit card. Just want my Bolt House drinks. Not, it's not asking too much. If they could come through the way that Nugo Nutrition did last week, I'd be very, very happy in my weekly plea begging for help during these days of the quarantine. And again, thank you all for listening to another Adam Schefter podcast. We'll be back in this spot next week to talk further about the 2020 NFL draft and look ahead to the 2020 NFL season. Until then, be well and stay safe.